from the people who arrived after I could welcome you. Sophia Magdana, Jesse, Scott, Eska, and Gabrielle, DVM Shu. To answer your question, yes. Thank you. I, I gave me a new option about recording on the computer or recording in the cloud, and I chose the computer. <clears throat> Thank you. You're welcome. Welcome, everyone, also. Are there any other logistical things for us? Yes, <laughs> yes I have two. Just, just I'm going to need a little bit of time because now I need to find a charger. My computer broke down, and that's why everything is also a bit complicated. So I'm let's going to... Not, let's not use up our time listening to those kinds of stories, okay? Just go ahead. Thank you. And Chloe, go ahead. Yes, two consideration. Next week, we are changing time again as New Zealand is changing time. So it will be an hour later for most people. It will be one hour later than this, except I think for New Zealand, we're just the same time, 6 a.m. Great, it's part of the mage. I think Catherine, you made this offer. It's part of a mage training in ourselves to um, deal and like uh, deal with time, like be in relationship to time and to the change of time. Grapple with time. That's what it feels like to me. I mean, this wrestling match. And any other logistical things? Thank you, and Chloe. And <laughs> Chloe, you're back on the stage. Go ahead, take yes. it away. Um, we have a, a new mage participant. Her name is Vera Franco. Most of you know her. And she has asked to come in um, in April as she was finishing her uh, Expand the Box Online this weekend. She finishes it. So she will join us next Tuesday and she will be added to the, the Telegram group uh, today, tonight. But I wanted to tell you, so it's not a, not a surprise. It's not a hijack, you mean? Yeah, great. Other, any other logistical things? Yes, I have a question of, for the video recordings. Uh, and my question is how they are shared later on and who's receiving those? Is this, you know, that would be, or not? that's called the crystal ball reading training and we don't do crystal ball stuff. You know what a crystal ball is? Is that water in your cup? Yes. Why would you choose to drink right when you're asking a question? Because now you're explaining, so. Yeah, but you're blocking the answer. That would be blocking a, an answer. Just paying attention to that. So I said, if you're asking us to predict the future, that would be crystal ball training. We don't do that here. Any other questions? Well, I'm not asking you to predict the future. I'm asking you if there is any role in place already. No. Thank there's you. Not. There's not. Anything else about that? Yes, I don't want my video to be shared outside of this group. Okay, then probably you should turn off the video screen. Okay. Good. Anything else? No, thank you. Okay, you're welcome.
I like how you're smiling all the time, though. It's nice. I mean, in a rather plastic sort of way, but. Okay, anything from anybody else, logistical stuff for this space? All right, I'll take that as a probably not. So I'd like just to hear, this is week three. We've dived in pretty significantly. I appreciate our collaborative sharings and investigations and doing the homework stuff. I, I hate to call it homework, doing the research, doing the matrix building things in the, in the week. So th I appreciate that a lot. So any questions or comments about any of that? You know, when you do rock climbing, you put in a piton. A piton is a nail. It has a, an eye loop on it like this. And so you hammer, once you climb up to a certain place, you hammer this thing and put your rope through it, click. And so then if you fall, you only fall back to this point. And so right now this would be a piton point. We've been pretty much free climbing for two weeks. This is the third meeting. And so this is a kind of a piton point. It's like, okay, we're putting a hammer in here. We're gonna do some work today, but I just wanted to check anybody need anything at this piton point. Ivyamshu. I uh, can't hear you yet. You have to uh, unmute. Excellent. The first two weeks, I was overflowing with love. And I was impressed because I never had this experience before. No, I had it only after ETB. And in the last few days, the whole topic changed. And I'm this organizing this structuring inside I feel like the caterpillar is finally moving to the next stage of the chrysalis and whatever worked doesn't work anymore I this afternoon I wanted to prepare myself for now I was reading about three cells it could have been written in Chinese I didn't grasp anything I wanted to do my homework and I came up with some yeah good idea but completely, not liquid, but structureless. That's the present state. What would be the difference between liquid and structureless? Uh, the liquid still has some, some qualities which I can refer to. I know the essence of liquidity and I couldn't, I didn't really enjoy these states, but I knew liquid states I relate to uh, being on a high-speed roller coaster, up and down, heavy bends, much acceleration and uh, sudden stops, being shaken. But now I, I feel inside like like a mental nausea, like nothing nothing functions anymore. I could start weeping without reason. I could start laughing. I mean, this afternoon I really felt I'm I'm really getting insane. It there was a really weird experience on Sunday <clears throat> we had some garden work and I was I was hatching this idea for five years to make a huge or eight meter diameter um, ring from trees and finally we got the people together and we 
finished about two-thirds of the thing, planting about 80, 90 um, elders. And I was really happy. And then eventually I noticed after the people had left, there was something red in the, on the soil. And I looked at it closer and it was the, what do you call it, the comb of a rooster. And I looked underneath and I thought, whoop, somebody had put a pretty fresh cut head of a rooster there. And uh, uh, yeah, that's the way how you look. That's how I felt, Clinton. I mean, I, I, what's going on here? Something satanic or some 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 bad vibes? And uh, th this was part of this Chrysalis thing. Whatever functioned before, I could trust in my in my mm, ability to cope with many really crazy situations. But this was a little bit too much. There were some friends around, and I didn't talk to them. Also, to my daughter, I just told her right now, and he said, well, that's really crazy. Because there were some people, two people helping. One is a shamanic, and the other one is also a bit strange. The others, they really, I cannot imagine. But I'll check it out with them individually, whether they know anything about it. But it was, <clears throat> or last night, yesterday I went to the practice, and this never happened to me. I left the light on the car. I wanted to come back in time to be in the reading yesterday. And it took about three quarters of an hour to get someone who could start the car because the, the battery was completely gone. This is, I mean, it's like uh, I cannot hold my life anymore at present. I know it is a state here. I feel it also here, but it still feels extremely awkward. This mm -hmm. I thought it's crazy to go to the group tonight and bring this really weird energy. But then I realized, hey, that's what you're here for. I mean, we are in the same crazy boat. Exactly. So, but I know the results will be amazing, but uh, <laughs> it's ten years at present. Thank you for sharing that, taking the courage to share it also. Yeah. Weird stuff, I admit. Thank you. Well, I have some, I want to encourage us not to apply the weird stuff story okay. to, to some things. Certainly the work that we're doing together in the team, both in our meetings here and in the middle of the week, during the week, this has a, the effect of putting our attention on things that probably we did not put our attention on before and actually shifting some things around that we could not shift around before because we did not have those distinctions or nobody in our environment would hold a space where we could have those distinctions. And so the world is a far more mysterious place than we're led to believe, even if we watch a lot of Netflix series with, with weird stuff going on. And, and uh, I remember the first day after the mage training, I ran up, three things happened that were completely inexplicable. I mean, I was, I was going upstairs with some laundry. I was losing my balance trying to get through this door with a laundry basket. I needed a light and I was falling over and I grabbed the door. And what happened is my finger turned on a lights, the, the light switch for that space that I did not even know was there. I did not even know the light switch was there. And I looked later to turn it off. There were two light switches. The closer one was the wrong one. So my finger hit the farthest light switch and that turned on the perfect light. And so there were three things like that in a row. And I noticed them, but I did not try to attribute 
oh, now I have my magical mage powers are strengthened again, you know. Or, so, mm, so I would encourage us to go on the ride without trying to make big stories about it. And the thing is, if something happens that, this is the one of the hints, if something happens that is, is really out of this world, like really spectacular, something you would like to remember or that you will want to have happened, please write it down in your beat book. And all you need to write is exactly what happened. And what Lee Lozowick used to tell me was, or tell us, it was like, if you don't write it down, it did not happen. There's a way, there's a way of doing this alchemical thing of taking the incident and shifting it into words on paper, which is an actual material object. It's an alchemical action and it, it solidifies it into the world better. And so when you have an insight or a discovery or a coincidence or something outstanding and you want it to have happened, then just write what down, write down what happened. You don't have to interpret it or explain it. You just write down exactly what happened and then it will help ground it in reality. And the other things there is, there are, you know, there's so many explanations for a chicken head. And, and unless you want to turn into a particular kind of Sherlock Holmes and really figure it out and put cameras all over your property. And I don't know what else, you know, do analysis of whatever, you know, it could have been, I don't know, could have been an animal buried at a cat or whatever. It could have been anything. And so the whole starting to go into the domain of the demonic or what did you say? That any bizarre kind of explanations just really, it's not necessary. But like if, you, if you just let it just notice, pay attention and let it slide by. And, and I think doorways will open up that could not have opened before until we had these internal distinctions that we're getting through the practices that we're doing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, but don't hide stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I'm glad you told us the story and if other people have things, please bring it to the space also. So thanks. Anybody else have any kind of piton check-in? How are you doing? How's it going? What are you what are you noticing kind of things? Gabriel, you put your hand up. You you would need to uh, thank you. I have not been present a lot in the last seven days. Like mostly not been present at all. I've hidden my being somewhere like it, it seemed to me like it's it's somewhere behind Russia or so a few thousand kilometers away. For me to be physically is still in the space to empty out the apartment to move out because like I have no apartment anymore. And it just happened in the it happened in the last seven days and everything was moved out and it was so overwhelming for me. Like there's so much sadness and anger and fear just pressed down and pressed down and pressed down. So I can I can survive and I can yeah still be functioning and I can still I can still work and I can still live and I can still 
like go on and I just can somehow I'm such a good actor to to play I'm okay because even if I'm not present and even if I'm there is no bottom end of feeling shitty I can still play I'm okay and and people believe me and I'm right now I'm not really present like I'm I'm floating around somewhere and I I center myself and it just it just floats away again and I think I need a process about it because or or to just let out all this all these feelings that I that I numbed myself with and I'm not sure how the next one and a half or two hours will be but not and I yeah I I don't know how present I I can stay thank you thank you will you arrange for that process because stuffing the feelings is not really recommended so you'll you'll do that somehow in the next few days yeah i already agreed to do to ask tonight yes great thank you there's a i want to add one thing it's called the Eye of the Needle. It's a new website I've been working on. And I don't know if people have seen it before, but it's a, a process that, Gabriel, you've been doing part of. You've been doing a part of this process and it's a very difficult part. In, in fact, <clears throat> it's so difficult, it's very rarely done. But I'd, I encourage you to read over that or study it, what's written there so far about this process and there's actually a video of uh, where we in a way discovered the process. So I, I just wanna say it's a way of leaving the patriarchy to exit the patriarchy. It's necessary to pass on or let go of the gifts of the patriarchy or the, the rewards of the patriarchy. And there are many that the patriarchy has given us in terms of material material things. And you've been working hugely with your material world. And to separate from the material world until you're small enough to go back through the eye of the needle that you came through when you left your life and entered the patriarchy as a baby, that's the, that's the job. The job is to get small enough to go back through the other way. So you've been actually doing that. So it's really difficult work. It's exactly as you described. And uh, it would give you some confirmation or perhaps uh, it's like a map where you can get more of your X on the map for what's happening. And just, you know, it's probably an echo kind of coincidence or, you know, um, concatenation of forces that has made it so that's happening in your life. And so if you have an X on the map that it's useful, then that can help a lot to navigate the painfulness of it, the, the pain part of it. Anyway, thank you for sharing that. And Chloe. Yeah, I was just gonna say to you, Gabrielle, that I don't know who you're gonna do the process with. And you can be really clear with them that it's not, you don't need to go back into like childhood or, it's maybe the first layer of this process is really to be completed. 
So they don't really need, the space holder doesn't need to do really anything else than you expressing your sadness and your fear and your anger about this process and then them completing it. And they don't need to understand it. They don't need to find out what, what there's no need for understanding. It's, it's really pure, like simply or a completion process. And you can navigate your space holder to navigate that for you. Yeah, the grief is just really appropriate. A lot of grief. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Somebody else? Any other Piton stuff? I am flying in some hours and I cannot find my passport. My box is freaking out, sitting here, not destroying the whole place where I am trying to find my passport. Okay, we're, we're going to try a one minute psychic experiment. So if everybody close your eyes, have your center grounding cord and bubble. Sophia Magdalena has a purplish brown covered German passport. Is that correct? Sophia Magdalena? It's, yeah, more reddish. It's reddish brown color. And it's, when was the last time you saw it? Seven days ago. Where was it? It was at Clarissa's place here lying on her desk. Okay, so we have one minute and just everybody just tune in from your center to the passport and see if you can get a picture of where it is. One minute of silence, here we go. I don't know if that was a minute or not, but it was long enough, I think. So everybody take a deep breath, open your eyes and anybody who has a picture of something, please say it. And Chloe? Stuck between two books or maybe inside a big book or stuck between two like uh, folders or something. Too big, yeah. Thank you, Katrin. I also saw it in, in between paper. It could also be journals. I'm not as specific as Antloy with books. Shannon, did you, I mean, Jennifer, did you have something? I also saw it in between books and papers on the desk or on a shelf nearby or in a bag, but in those papers. Shannon? Yeah, I saw it between two notebooks in a, in a bag. Almost as if it gotten stuck, yeah. Christina? Yeah, I saw it also between... Oops. Some layers in a um, in a backpack. Yes. And other Christina. I saw it in the in a big cupboard, brown one, maybe the one behind you. Okay. Anybody maybe. else? I I saw I saw it in a back bottom of a backpacked bag type thing or a coat pocket. <clears throat> and and Iska. In it on the floor, just behind some, um, I don't know, um, shelf or a cupboard or I don't know. Yeah, it just fell down on the floor. 
Right. I, saw I also it. saw it in a coat somewhere, like in a jacket somewhere. Okay. Gabriel? Between the mattress and the bed. Hmm. Okay. I saw it in a gap between like the desk and shelf, something, or behind the desk. Okay. I saw it on uh, lying on the window board behind a curtain. Mm. Okay. I also saw it in the bed. It wrapped up in the covers in the mattress. Do you hear me sure? I saw it also in, 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 in the jacket. I mean, putting it in the jacket there, I'll find it for sure and go on. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I'm gonna check those places. Thank you. Let us let us know what happens. I will. Who's right? right. <laughs> you know, how many passports do you have? You have <laughs> Okay, I, any I, other I, yes, yes, go ahead and Chloe. Yes, I'm noticing right now <clears throat> that I'm doing this experiment. Last week I noticed maybe 15 minutes into the mage training, I started having this really big headache. And I've noticed that during when I'm holding space and somehow I'm blocking some kind of energy or I'm not letting the energy flow in, in my physical body or in, in also my other bodies. And so I'm just, while I'm listening and holding space, I'm also practicing relaxing and breathing and turning. And I, I would invite actually, you just to try this is to when as your archetypal lineage is coming through and feeding you and feeding the space even as you're silent it doesn't need your verbal intervention for your archetypal lineage to feed the space is that 10 percent of that energy you turn it for you it's like you keep 10 percent of that of the energy the information the radiance of your archetypal lineage for yourself, to, which means, to, yeah. which means turn your turn yourself towards mm. that bright towards the archetypal lineage. Ordinarily, we look towards our client or look towards out there, but then it all comes through. And so you need to turn ten percent of yourself around, and just kind of stand there with your arms out as if you're collecting sunlight for you and breathe and let 10% of your archetypal lineage stuff come in and nurture you. So this is a, a mage practice will be, I'm gonna throw another one at you after this. So there's, there's a bunch of them and we've never collected them actually, but they're, they turn out to be really important. And this one is a relatively new one. We didn't know this much before, but please be sure you're doing that. And clearly I didn't mean That was it, thank you. Okay. Yeah, make it a, you'll have to remind yourself at the beginning because a lot of us are so oriented towards giving everything in a way. A lot of giving to your clients, a lot of giving to the world. And the thing is that if you don't take care of your five bodies, you won't be able to really manage this. So it's part of your job to, to let the, nutrition and the energies and the mm, benefits of the archetypal lineage come into you in whatever way it needs to. And so stay, try to keep 10% of your weight, you're turned 
towards that. While we're on these kind of practices, I'd like to ask you to, to do another one, which has to do with the, the bigger your being gets, the more attractive you get as a target or as a food supply for different kinds of parasites, basically. And, and I, th I think you can understand that because if you go looking for a restaurant, you're trying to find one that is luscious or high quality or fits your price budget, but still gives you more for your money than some other place. And so in the same way, other energy vampires do the same thing. They're looking around and scanning for the tastiest morsel around. And the more work you do with yourself, the more that tasty morsel is you. Mm. And, and so mm, there have been, there are different practices in terms of like your center grounding cord bubble is obviously a set of not only just uh, being centered and present, but it's also a, a cleansing and protection device, the center grounding cord and bubble. But at the same, so there's, but there are additional practices from other traditions that have to do with building pyramids around yourself or big cylinders or just, just different kind of energetic castles or protection devices. And what we found out some years ago is that what, one of the most amazing things to do is to slowly rotate your energetic body about this fast in a, it doesn't matter actually which direction, clockwise or counterclockwise, but to just basically click your clicker and all day long, all night long, just keep your energetic body rotating around. And at first, if you first time you do this, if you start this now, you might notice a little bit of dizziness. Anybody noticing that? Because I see you doing it. I see a bunch of you guys doing it. Yeah, you notice this dizziness. That will go away pretty quickly. The dizziness will go away pretty quickly because there's actually no friction between your energetic body and the rest of your bodies. So you just keep it rotating around. And the way this works is when something comes at you, for example, if somebody's jealous, somebody wants to have what you have, somebody's angry at you or hates you or wants to project something onto you or has a story about you or has a compliment for you, a big juicy fat sweet compliment they want to blob on you so then you owe them something or any of these energetic thought form uh, exchanges that are always happening out in the world in the energetic world when they come when they come they just they kind of they're forced to go by you because of the spin on your energetic body it just goes right by you almost as if you're not there and so all of a sudden the burden of being a target or being an easy vampire victim like the vampire can't get their teeth in you if you're rotating so it doesn't have to be fast but it's just rotating about that fast about this fast you just keep it going around and see if all all during this session if you can keep it going we'll try to ask you if your energetic body if you're rotating it but keep it rotating and I think you'll discover you'll conserve a lot of energy by keeping your energetic body rotating. Anybody have any questions about keeping your energetic body rotating or turning around 
10% of, of yourself to receive the benefits of your bright principles and your archetypal lineage? Any questions about that? I have a comment about the rotating of the energetic body. I, when I started that the very first time, I misunderstood what was said. And I took my energetic body, this would be my physical body, and took it like this. Ah. And I turned my whole energetic body around like this and turned it around like this all the time. Mm. And it works, but it does some weird extra things. So really let, let it stay straight. And yeah. You get that? You just stand there and it's like as if you were turning around like a ballerina spinning around, but you just do it slowly. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I noticed this dynamic around me going on and I'm so thankful for this uh, mm. hint you give me. I'm really thankful. Thank you. Oh. Yeah, good. Yeah, thank you for noticing it. Yeah, there's a, even if you're not trying, even if you're try trying to build a game world or hold space for a transformational circle or you're speaking and work talks or anything, even if you're not doing those things, you're still obvious. It becomes more and more difficult to walk through spaces invisibly. I mean, people notice from across the room that, that something entered the room, something changed. And so it really takes more effort to move invisibly around, even if you're not in a quote unquote leadership type position, if you're like that. So, so it's important to just take care of yourself in those ways. Yeah, thank you. Any other questions about those two practices? Yeah, can you describe the archetypal one a little bit more in detail? Yeah, and Chloe, did you, you were the one who brought that up. Yeah, it's um, like Clinton said, like Clinton say, there's a way that our archetypal lineage is pulled by the necessity of our client or the circle or the world, or there's a necessity out there and it's, the, it's a force that pulls the archetypal lineage through. And so it could have this, I mean, the, the image even that we had before was this, we're the mouthpiece, we're the, we're the hands and the mouth of this archetypal lineage that just, we get to be kind of the not the puppet but like the thing that that the archetypal lineage goes through and to realize that actually we can also get fed by it that it's we're not just like this instrument that we also need energy in our five bodies we have deep deep batteries and often when people get burned out whatever there's it's also the mixed emotion but it's something about the deep batteries just they didn't take care of themselves and, and even people doing really beautiful transformation and healing work and get burned out. And, and I think part of it is because we're not al allowing ourselves to get fed by the archetypal lineage. And I think it would also work with the bright principles, but the bright principles we can turn towards. It's like letting 10% of your energetic body, maybe your archetypal body turn around. So you're kind of facing behind 10% of that. And so, and you just receive it as you, as you get the vitamin D from the sun or you get fed by the sun. Does that help Shannon? Yes. 
I'd like to add an element to this, which is it has to do with your neurosis. There's a spark about it that says, when you stop being perfect, this does not mean you stop being neurotic. And it makes a distinction about trying to be perfect as a insane kind of strategy and actually what neurosis means. And what I mean by neurosis, it's, it's, you can see it as a parallel explanation for uh, feeding, consciously feeding your gremlin. But each of us, you need to have little neurotic ways of, of pleasing your box in a way so that, and it could come from like when you turn towards your archetypal lineage, part of your neurosis comes from your archetypal lineage. And so, I mean, probably you've heard me say this before, but one of my, one of the, I've got, I don't know, six or eight neuroses that I just constantly feed in little ways. One of them is wooden spoons. And so last Saturday, and Chloe and I drove almost an hour on really curvy roads across the island to this marketplace where we saw there was some guy who was making and selling handmade wooden spoons. And we went there to look at the wooden spoons. And so I got there and I went in and I talked to the guy and he was an old guy and he, he had amazing uh, half made wooden spoons. Anyway, I got to indulge the wooden spoon thing and, and hang out with this guy who loved wooden spoons. And I did not buy any. I did not, but I got to hold them and smell them and talk to the guy about making wooden spoons out of avocado wood and other woods that don't come from the island because he doesn't want to chop down any trees from the island. And I have my own wooden spoons that I actually, I carry one around with me all the time. This is a wooden spoon made from teak wood that I got in Bali. And I have it in my little bag of things here. And so wooden spoons is one of my neuroses that I indulge in as a way that nurtures me. I can't explain it. I don't know what this is about. I just, I don't even use them so often. It's not, but I, I just have to have, I just do the wooden spoon thing. And so um, it's important that you know that in terms of trying to be yourself, it, it includes, it includes your neurosis. So if you could, investigate what your neurosis during the week please also share your conscious neurosis on on the telegram page just so other people get ideas of what other ones are and chloe do you know one of yours i was kind of looking for it and i think something to do with uh soft blanket like i carry i mean i care i'm on the 10 kilo carry-on luggage and i carry a blanket that almost takes half of my suitcase because I, I need I love having this like soft blanket on me so that would be I think one of my neurosis like a physical one but I think there's also energetic ones or even intellectual ones so it doesn't have to do as with the physical only with the physical world I'll I'll say another one of mine and it has to do with hardware stores and so in uh, Spanish they call it ferreteria and so every time we're driving down the road and I see a, a, a ferreteria, I indicate to Uncle, ah, there's a ferreteria. <laughs> and 
it rolls off the tongue in a certain way, but it's almost like it's my church. My church is this hardware store. And the other day, and Chloe, we were going to get in the car and she went somewhere else and there was a ferreteria there. So I walked in and where I stood, where I bowed down in front of was the screwdrivers. There's this thing about screwdrivers, you know, especially the bigger ones where I just love to hold them in my hand. I can flip them around and I can use them and they, they're amazing multi-tools. You can use them for all these kind of things. And I just, I just have this thing about screwdrivers and ferreteria. And so now if, if I didn't, if I was not aware that this was an, a mage's neurosis as a way of nurturing the parts of me that don't get nurtured when I'm holding alchemical transformation spaces, then, then I, would, I would try to suppress it. I would not tell people about it. I would not tell Aunt Chloe about it. I would think I was weird. And I would, but I've, we figured out that's important. It's an important thing for you to do uh, along the way and figure out what yours are and do them regularly, whatever they are. So try to make sure they're not, you know, these are not things that are gonna hurt you. They're not fattening, they're not illegal. They're not immoral. You know, these are just little weird things. And, and, and it's okay to tell people about them or to do them in public. And people go, why are you doing that? What do you, what's the big deal? And you just, you can just say, this is mage work or something. Just every time somebody asks you make up a different story, but in any case, so yeah, so make sure you have your, your neurosis at work. So it's feeding you. Sibylla, were you, were you going to say something, Sibylla? Well, Wait, can I say something about Yeah. So, Sibylla, it seems like you've been trying to talk for about 20 minutes and that you've missed the timing every time. And that actually you were on, in, the, in the queue, in the line, in the script, but then you didn't speak. And so Sophia Magdalene spoke and Shannon spoke and Iska. And so somehow you, what is in the way of you speaking, of you getting your timing yeah i i feel the fear and i'm ready to speak and the space moves too fast and i'm not feeling brave enough to interrupt and just yeah bring it in when so there's also the process of listening to first second third thought so wondering is that okay actually like really checking is this something I want to bring in? And you answered the question with the archetypal um, experience with the 10% because you gave more clarity. So that, that was one of my questions. So yeah, it's also just something I'm practicing to not straight away jump and, and I'm holding back. So that, that's, I've, I've noticed that because I really wanted to share something earlier on with, um, if any of us have experiences and I miss, I miss that place. So yeah, thank you for noticing. Yeah. A trick that I have learned from years ago that I encourage you to try is put your hand up. Mm. And the hand is easier to move than to formulate a concept and say, excuse me, or may I speak now or anything like that. You just put your hand up. 
And it's one of the practices is to put your hand up while you're walking through the center of town and keep your hand up for five minutes, just walking through the center of town for no reason, just so you can deal with the whatever happens when you walk through town with your hand up, that's one practice. But another practice is just put your hand up even before you have formulated the, the impulse that you, you, can, you can refine your detector so that it first, second and third voice, you can detect if it's important enough to say whichever voice it is. If I need to say mm -hmm. this, whatever it is, if it's first, second, third or fourth, I don't, I don't need to mm -hmm. know which one it is I just know that there's a, there's this thing I need to say. I have I have a line in the script. That's what you say. I have a line in the script. That's the, and you put your hand up, and then when it when it, then the space opens up, then the line can come through. Shannon, thank you. Yeah. I don't have anything to say. I just wanted to practice my hand up. Okay, this is the wrong space to practice that. Okay. So thank you. The, and there's another entire domain that is relative related to the neurotic, the neurosis thing, which is it's important for you, for each of us, to have a physical place where we keep it neurotically proper. It's a it's you need a little mage altar. Have we talked it? We, we haven't talked about that before. Okay, it'd be important now for you to build a mage altar for yourself. It doesn't have to be any bigger than about 20, you know, 20 by 20 centimeters. It can be, and since, for example, and Chloe and I <clears throat> are in a small baggage department, I have some characters, little bronze characters and a crystal and a little wooden stand. And I use some, they're, they're just miniatures. So you don't need... <laughs> Can you hold them really close? Really, no, really close. Way up, yeah. Lift up, yeah, there you go. So this is part of my mage altar that I've had for years. And it's, it evolves, the thing evolves. A lot of times it has seeds or possibility stones, potential possibility stones around it. Little uh, strange seeds from different plants, other objects, and <clears throat> often a candle. So, so it would be important for you to just reserve some place wherever you are, even by your bed, if you're just in a hotel or something, but a, um, some build a little mage altar for yourself and figure out what it is. For, a, for a quite a while, I also had a statue of my muse on there when I was first working with my muse. There's a great website called The Muse and it's got a lot of great stuff on it already. But it's, when I was, uh, when I was first developing that, I, I really needed a physical object to represent the muse in my mage altar. And so you can also add that, something like that in. And so, and it'd be great if you could share a photo, close up photo when you get your mage altar together, a close-up photo, a nice photo on the telegram so we can get inspired or get a sense of who a person, what the quality of the, of the mage altar is that feeds you would be at. Julia? Can you say more about the purpose of the altar? Yeah, I'd like you to actually. 
So what I get is that it's like invoking the mage space or something and, and being in connection with that space. So that, that's what, how it lands in me. If you went the next layer down, this, to me, what you said feels totally accurate and resonant. Mm. <clears throat> but because you're speaking to these guys, try to go and, and use your and to, to sink down into some energetic level or some archetypal level, something like that, just to do a further explanation yeah. of it. Just yeah. take a breath and say, and, just go, and. And also to make an energetic space that um, is represented in the outside, in the physical, and, and can like pop it onto the inside so I can carry it around in myself. Yeah, thank you. Here. Scott. Would you be willing to share what the statue of your muse was? It's a Ganesha, it's an old one. And that and that's the that's the muse? No. The, no. Yeah, so okay. the question is about, about the your muse. I'm... Uh I don't have that one anymore. It was a bronze, a bronze little bronze of a woman in a in a spin wearing a long gown. It was very beautiful. It was difficult for me to get rid of it when I did. Mm. It was because I I loved it. And mm. I needed it in real, not in the bronze anymore. And so <laughs> And so I got it in the real and, but yeah, but the statue is a very beautiful little thing. But I have other, other parts in there too. I have another, I have a guy and, and Chloe, can you grab the other guy for me? Thanks. We're in different rooms. I don't have other... my, I don't have myself you, so I don't see what you guys are seeing from my screen. Okay, it's perfect. Yeah, can you turn yeah. them to the side just a little bit? Yeah. You see this guy. So he's clearly a mage and he's clearly got carry on baggage and stuff like that. So it's my, one of my little mage altar guys. Thank you. And Chloe, I think it's time. Today, we wanted to enter or go deeper to the next level of finding what is real. And this is what we've been, the, the territory we've been diving in and, and exploring for the past two weeks. But we, we didn't really say it like that. We didn't really put it in the ground that what we were doing is finding what is real, which I wanna make a, di a distinction that is very different from finding reality. Because reality is a concept, it's like a philosophical thing that you can talk about and somehow has this solidity to it, that it is reality and it is like as such. Whereas finding what's real is a way to be with what's real and to be where, where you are, like being, being where you are really in a way. It's like being where you are really and also finding your client, finding with your client where they are really, 
finding where they really are. Because it's only where you really are that you have, you have access to new possibility. And anything built on where you're not, when, where you're not <laughs> is a fantasy world. It's like you're building a fantasy world on top of a fantasy world. And I, it could be that um, somehow in, the, in a new age uh, world, this, for example, the positive thinking, it is building a fake world on top of a fake world. And the mage, the, the mage uh, quality or the mage skills is then would be to find where, navigate to where your client is with them so they can actually stand where they really are. And from there, then, then, then there's possibility. Then there's stepping stones to move from. And um, I mean, when you try, when I was try to, and we were exploring this with Clinton just before this about finding what's real. And for example, it can be, and this is why I'm saying this is about finding what's real and not what is reality because reality is, would be this absolute. And the mage doesn't work really in absolute. So um, what's real, for example, in for uh, uh, Chevron, Chevron company, what's real is that they can dump 1.6 billion gallon of toxic water in the Amazon and make a profit from that. And in a way, they think from a position of ordinary capitalistic patriarchal empire, they think that is real, that that is a, wor a workable, that, that it's real and that's where they stand. And actually, you know, and it's like, okay, wh what about from a mage point of view? And I think from a mage, what is real is that uh, thousands of indigenous people are now having cancer and dying from the toxic water that's been drenched into the Amazon and that 200 species of animals, I don't know if it's even 200 species of insect, let's say 200 species of animals are dying, are like going instinct every day. And that means those animals will, cannot come back. They will not exist again, ever. It is impossible for those animals to come back. And that would be finding what's real from a, from a mage point of view. Yeah, Clinton. I'm going back to facing into any kind of a fake world or a fantasy world that your client has uh, assembled around themselves, either as a, as a protection or a, just a comfort zone, a marshmallow zone, any, any of those things. So for you to connect with your client in in real, you know, in for real, for you to connect with your client for real, it can be necessary for you to consciously and intentionally disassemble their fantasy world. 
just to get present enough with them to, to get to the real stuff. I mean, I just before this call today, I had the good fortune of holding space for uh, uh, emotional healing processes for Martina here. And it was such a pleasure to have zero fantasy world around around her. She's, you know, she's done so much work that there, there is nothing in the way of what's real. And so without saying anything, without, you know, as soon as the screens came on, as soon as we connected being to being, I, I could, I was so well c connected and received and could receive her. And it was a simple conversation. There was no, no tricks, no, any, I didn't have to do anything pulling the rug out or going nonlinear, none of that stuff. We could just breathe and do the work. And it was just such a pleasure. It's not often the case that I or you probably will get to get to do these kind of processes with each other. It's really such a luxury to do them with each other. And so, but I just, I just, that was one of the things about doing it with Martina was the real was right there. What I um, sort of, I'm trying to look in myself, like, okay, what does it take to be, to find what's real? What does it take to find what's real? And there is this, and this is probably what Clinton is talking about in terms of the pleasure of doing these processes with each other is that we have inspected, for example, pretty thoroughly for some of us, our constructs and our thoughtware and our meme, and we have thoughtwares and memes and um, distinction in place that we have chose, that we have chosen. And so from then, then it is pretty easy to look at a being, like look at a being and connect with the realness of the being and then see the, the layers of illusion and fantasy world and survival strategies and that they've put in place for their real thing to not to not show and that's the what, what Clinton was mentioning in the beginning about this what we had to we had to sacrifice our realness to get into the patriarchy and we got we got rewards but also a bunch of survival strategies and illusion and fantasy world that to cope, basically to cope with the fakeness of, of the patriarchy and to pretend to fit in, well, like Gabrielle was saying, you know, I can, I can pretend I'm fine. There's so, there's so many strategies put in place for Gabrielle to, be, to just be, I'm fine with whoever is there. And, and so each, mm, and, and it's like, in a way, the, the offer here is not to face a client and just uh, destroy one after the next, uh, each fantasy world in like half, half an hour or an hour because they will not be able to hold it. They will not be able to hold that much destruction of what they thought was real at once. But you can connect with what's real. You can create this connection from your own realness, your being to their realness and interact with that. And then when the, the fakeness comes in the way, 
then you deal with the first layer, the first layer of illusion, the first layer of fantasy world, and you, and you work with that. And then the next time you meet them, then you, you work with the next layer. Yeah. One, one of the ways to deal with when a fantasy world element comes up in a client is to simply not put your attention on it and to simply wait, connect with the real, stay connected with the real. The fantasy thing comes up. You just stay connected. You do not put your attention on the fantasy world and it will go by. It doesn't have enough persistence or reality to stay in the present moment it just gets sucked away into the past. And so I'm, I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. You just, it's, it's like not being hooked, but it's also, it's like not being distracted by a fantasy world when it's presented. You don't have to buy it, just let it so, go by. Yeah, so this is also what I did with you, Naomi, when you say, I like it. And that was a fantasy world that you could say, I like it. And you believe that you are the I that likes. And so, and then I could ask, I, I could connect to your, your realness and ask, okay, which I, and then, and then the, the illusion is, is put on the table. And at the same time, as this was not a, an emotional healing process space, um, we didn't put our attention on it. And when you were also saying, I need to get my charger, Clinton said, okay, this is not the space. And so then we, we leave, we do not keep putting our attention on it. It slides by, and now we get to be with you. We get to be with Naomi. So that was, yeah, one, one demonstration. So I, mm, I would like to, to practice that together. Mm, there was, we had a, I wanted to practice noticing with you. I mean, there's like the few skills that come to mind, and then I would like to somehow work with you along the weeks is, um, and I, I'm gonna say them right now is, you can, mm, to reveal uh, fantasy worlds, you need to notice them. So the skill of noticing in what are you noticing with and what's your purpose for noticing with uh, what you're noticing with, then you get, you get choice. And until you get your survival strategy about what is it that you use to survive, like what is it that you used to notice with so that you can survive until you get that clear, then you don't get access to other parts of you that can notice. It's sort of like a one-way road. So noticing is a skill in terms of finding what's real. You also need a bullshit detector, like a strong bullshit detector about, yeah, I mean, whatever, illusions of fantasy are bullshit. And so there's a website called Bullshit Detector. There's also a website called Noticing. And there is a, a website that has enough on it, on it, is called Asshole Training. And this is what Clinton was mentioning that to face into people's bullshit requires you to be an asshole because there's sort of this, like um, unspoken agreements in modern culture that we do not talk about our illusions. We do not talk about our fantasy world. We all live in the same one and, and everything's fine, something like that. And so 
if you step out of that, if you step out of the hypnosis, if you take back your authority from the illusion and fantasy world of modern culture and you get to um, connect to what's real and not put your attention, not buy into, not complete the communication of the modern culture illusions, then you will be an asshole in a way. People won't really like you. You're not go- you will stop being a, a people pleaser. So, and, and the fourth website that Clinton put is shit. So those four websites, um, that's a, it's a lot of reading, but if you can get through one or two next week um, to, to, to build a distinction, like build the muscle of noticing, build the muscle of your bullshit detector, there's already some experiments on there. Yeah, shit stands for standard human intelligence thoughtware. So in there, we just started building it out further. So there's great stuff in there already. So Clinton, I would just jump into the experiment. Yeah. Okay. So we'll go in groups of three. There is a client, a mage, and a coach. Client, you are being yourself. The mage, your job is to n- navigate to what's real, to find what's real in the person in front of you. That's the instruction, to find what's real. You get about nine minutes, and this is a, um, this is a talking exercise, okay? It's not a scanning, and then you keep the information for yourself as you're navigating with your client to what is real. And put that. it on the table. And then you put it on the table and then I'll give you a three minute warning. Like I, you get nine minutes and then you get an extra three minutes to make a statement about what's real in them, to take a stand for what's real in them. And this is using your power of declaration, which is some of us has so much resistance to use this power of declaration because it seems so absolute. It's not. It is not absolute, but it is taking a stand so the, basically the box and gremlin of your client cannot squirm around it. It's to be so clear and, and direct and connected that they get to fall onto what, what is real in them. So in that and, second, in those last three minutes, there's also, you're, you're reporting, you're packaging up what you've noticed, what's where they are, where they're real, what's real, and then what they can do with that. What, what is that? What's what, how to work with it, what next steps are, whatever, what, how to work with it. And it could also turn out to be a hidden treasure in the person. They may not know that they have this treasure of this real part and that you can, you can say, Hey, look, you're not making good use of this. It's an amazing treasure. You have this real part and you're, here's how to use it. Like that, that, so that could be part of the, the last three minutes. I do. I want to add that um, this is not for some of you who've practiced this. This is not invoking. Okay, it is sort of more getting to the core. Invoking is moving people into what they didn't know they were. Okay, and this is not it. This is finding, and it might be really smaller than you think. Really, don't be surprised if it's smaller than what you think. What is real in your client? Yes, Sibylla. The last three minutes, is it like one minute each to get that we just 
talking, all three of us trying to, yeah, figure that out. The coach. Yeah, it's the mage. Okay. There's a coach. So the mage is the one doing it and the coach coaches. Yeah, but the, the three last minute, it is the mage giving this package, giving this jewel of what is real, um, how can you work with it? And if, yeah, and how can you work with it? Those are the two things. In case it has not yet become apparent, coaching in, in all these exercises, coaching in general is mage work. So when you're coaching the mage, you, you need to say, hey, there's this part you didn't put together. What, what if you combine those two things, add in this element, you know, you didn't notice that you noticed this or whatever, but the, co the coaching is active, active role. As, as we are, um, Amanda is not here today, so there's one less person. So uh, Clinton and I will be going around and supporting the coach and, and coaching the coach. Yeah. Okay, any other questions? Um, yeah, 12, so 12 minutes, nine minutes and then three minutes. Yeah, Shannon. You said it's not invoking, invoking is blank. What's the difference between invoking and getting to the core? Yes, invoking is moving somebody from where they are into a domain that they don't, they didn't know they could move into. Yeah. And we might do that or we might not. It's a great skill. It's a mage skill. Not today. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Oh, Gabrielle. For Scott to, I was waiting for Scott to ask a question. Oh. I, I didn't understand the nine minutes. Like, what, what do I do? I just talk to, with my client and, and like tell them when they are telling themselves bullshit to get to the core or do I just listen to them and ask questions to make a statement at the end? It doesn't really make sense to me. You, you find what is real in that person and get to it. Do whatever it takes to find what is real in that person and get to it. So it could be multiple things. We're not going to explain. You know, it's obvious, I mean, you're, you're going to be asking them questions, saying what you notice, taking them to the next level in there. What's confronting that thing like that? All the many different things. Mm -hmm. Asking them to that. tell you something about this. Yeah. Scott? Thank you. That was my question to you. Thank you. Great. Okay, here we go. I'm a extra coach. So will you guys quick jump in and figure out who's it and start going because I'll be going to another room soon. I'm just an extra coach. Iska and Martina, you are muted. I will be the mate. I'll be the client. I'm the coach. Okay. And Martina, I'm just an extra coach. Yeah. So, Nicole. Beep. When you start with so, you have already killed the space. You've already made it into a court case. You, 
So, Iska, what, you see, you, can you feel the impact of the so? Yes. See if you can avoid that from now on for the rest of your life. It's not easy, but see if you can do it. Shift, go. Thank you. So, Iska, what are you noticing? See, this, what are you noticing about what Nicole's offering? She's making you an offer. Nicole is offering a whole bunch of stuff right now. What are you noticing? Try to not use your mind. Nicole, what is going on in you? Deep. It's your job to say what's going on to her. So you automatically, you gave your power over to her and then she's got control of the space. You're lost. You just, you just gave her the space away. Shift, go. Nicole, you're concentrating on something. What is it? Beep. So I just want to say yes, that you got, she's concentrating on something. And the same thing, it's a show. Can you feel that it's a show? Mm. It's a survival strategy. It's a fake thing. So she's concentrating on the fake thing. She's putting, she's creating the illusion of something. So you already know that what she's concentrating on, go directly to the thing, shift, go. So you're trying to- You said so, shift, go. You're trying to, to think about what you're going to say Indeed. next. Ask the question. Go ahead, make it a, make it a question. But go, but shift from the from the first level. Go, Nicole. Who are you? Beep. You could get a forty-five minute bullshit answer from her out of that question. And this that is not was the fourth platform I took. Okay, so it's just the it's not going to help in this space. You know, if you're over coffee, you could sit around and listen. You've got a few minutes here. So get take out your take out your weapons. You Iska, you have a lot of really clear pieces of weaponry or tools. And just like like Nicole wants to be with you, actually. And she's she something's going on. So get her find what's real. What it looks like is she's just hypnotized you, Iska, into her fuzzy space. So everything's fine. I'm I'm fine. We're being we're being together. It's a fuzzy space. There's nothing. And she she kind of hypnotized you into that space. I don't know if you can feel it. It's a little bit of a sleepy space. I'm gonna bounce out and go to another place. Carry on. Good work, you guys. Bye. Thank you. And I realize I can, it's, I feel I can let go of what other people think. There's a low drama part that kind of wants 
people to know the result the effort I am doing. And I realize it's possible to let go of that because it's using my energy for something that is not helping. Well, I noticed that you, that when we started this, this space and you negotiated that you are the client, you went right ahead and knew exactly what you were doing. And here you are trying to tell me that you're helpless. What do you make of this? Catherine, what do you make of it? In a way- I make of it that she is not, that uh, Michelle, sorry, Naomi, that you are not helpless. Right, so what's going on in that game? Can you put it on the table? You are putting, well, what I, um, what got to me is that you are, uh, are showing that you're trying in order Catherine? to, yeah? yeah. So who's doing that? Who is, who ah. would do that? Okay. Well, um, thank you, Clinton. And um, it is a survival strategy. And I see that your, your gremlin is doing, has, having a big part in it, a really big part. Trying to say you're, you're helpless and manipulating other people and you're not helpless at the same time. So that's where you just started getting real. So Naomi has a, a sophisticated, completely uh, contaminated adult ego state with a gremlin that was talking to you. I came in here and it was only gremlin talking to you. Mm. And then you're, you were making the assumption that it was a Naomi that you were talking to. But in reality, we all have these parts. There's an incredible website called Parts. So that one of her parts, it's always one of, one of our parts talking some part talking and i when i talk to people i never assume it's one person it's it's the zoo which character in the zoo am i talking to and so see katrin so see if you can from you know start getting that it's almost a cynical point of view it's like it, you know what i mean a little bit cynical it's like i'm never really talking to one person there's really a bunch of people passing the ball back and forth playing these games and one of the main characters for a lot of people is Gremlin. So you just you just found it. So I'm gonna bounce out of here, but that was great. You, you got it. So just keep going. 